0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Scouts Podcast, episode number 24, coming at you on Wednesday, August 11th. I am your host, Chad Workman, joined by Sam Ehrman and Andrew Woodruff. Today, we are going to cover the NFC South. We'll talk a little bit about the Falcons, Panthers, Saints, and the Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Bucks. A lot of fantasy relevant players on these teams. Uh, But first, if you're listening to this, head on over to our Patreon. Got lots of training camp updates. Now's a a really hot time for our Patreon just because we got so many updates flying in from training camp reports, and um, obviously, you know, we get a a lot of inside information. So head on over there, patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts. Check us out. Head on over to ffballallday.com to check out our daily content. But with that, let's get into the NFC South. mentioned gonna hit on the nfc south today the saints are kind of the biggest story right now obviously there's you know the quarterback competition um michael thomas's injury and now we have some reports that michael thomas wants to be traded so what's going on with the saints sam you want to uh start us off with new orleans
1: yeah okay so i saw that jpa post and i watched the ian rapaport video he didn't say michael thomas wanted to be traded he said if they were going to trade him it was going to be a hell of an obstacle um, and i know everybody right now is overreacting about the michael thomas information um, i own him in my most important league and i mean luckily for me i'm not in a dying need where i need him but i mean you're frustrated right now you want him i mean with everything that's going on you can't help but be frustrated um, and here's I've kind of paid attention and I've pieced together both sides and Michael Thomas tweets and the stuff he's liking. And um, then what the saints have said, um, I think what happened is Michael Thomas wanted to have surgery last year. They said, no, 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 wait, you know, try to come back for a Drew Brees Super Bowl push. He comes back. He's not a hundred percent plays through it. And then the offseason season comes around and he goes, well, wait a second. You know what? let me just try to rehab it the right way. And it didn't work out. And now he's doing surgery or he did surgery later than what he wanted to. And now he's going to start our season. And if you looked at the tweets that he liked, basically that's what happened is he wanted to have the surgery right away. They said, wait, he came back for Drew Brees. And then he thought he could finish rehabbing it. He couldn't. And he didn't communicate that with the Saints. And now they think they, you know, he didn't – he purposely waited to screw him out of surgery and stuff. But I think in reality he was just trying to rehab it because he rushed back from playing. Um, It's annoying. Um, But there's nothing you can really do about it. I mean, if you own Michael Thomas and Dynasty, you're not going to find a buyer right now. I mean, you're not going to find – super ecstatic bar you'll probably get somebody trying to buy low but it's probably not going to be worth your time it's just Michael Thomas is you're kind of stuck with him if you can't move him and you just have to ride it out because he's gonna play and he's gonna produce it's just when and where
0: yeah I think my biggest question is when he's gonna play because I really don't have a great answer for that right now. What do you think, Andrew? When is he going to be on the field?
2: I mean, I think the earliest we've heard is six weeks into the season, which is just catastrophic for the people who maybe did startups this year and was taking him thinking, man, I got a great value in round five or so. Uh, Thomas has kind of just freaked me out. Like we've seen it diva receivers before, essentially. And it kind of feels like he is starting to go down that path of just focusing so much on himself and trying to split up that team dynamic saying okay it's all about me right here and i get it as a player for your short you got to take care of yourself
1: i i don't know if i necessarily agree with that like and i say that because he is a diva and i don't think anybody would disagree but i think his situation right now is the fact that he's frustrated you know and like he didn't tell his story like he held his side back you know like he's got a side of the story too and his side of the story is He waited to have surgery because they asked him to, to come back for Drew Brees. It fucked him. And here he is. And he's mad about it. And now his name's getting smothered all over the place. So I'd be mad too. I just don't know what to expect. I mean, like, we don't even know he's going to be the quarterback.
0: Well, and that's, that's another question I have with this team that I was going to bring up is I almost feel like if Michael Thomas isn't going to be on the field, I feel like that, it might lean more towards Taysom Hill being the starter because at that point you just kind of scrap, you know, the downfield, throwing the football with Jameis Winston, letting it fly. And you're more so geared towards let's run the football. Obviously you want to get the ball in Kamara's hands, but Whoa. if Taysom Hill can just get you by and and you can play, you know, that kind of ground control game, See, does that make more sense?
2: I'll lean the opposite way because like for me, I just going back through the history of it. And like I did this back when I was looking at, um, Kind of how um Joe Brady was going to swap over and potentially run with the Panthers last year. And I just noticed like a lot of the Saints offense, it's not so much about the downfield stuff. Drew Brees, year after year, uh typically was actually one of the lowest yards per team pass attempt. So like this offense was more of a short, work the just the crossing routes, the short uh, areas of the field on the outside, maybe a little bit, a little bit of the intermediate, but not so much of the downfield. So for like me, I felt like if you lose Michael Thomas, you have to put Winston out there at quarterback because Taysom's just another weapon for us then uh, somewhere on the outside or yeah. lined up in the tight end or just oh, a very also in the backfield.
1: I have I have two things I want to talk about. The first one is, is Michael Thomas really going to want to like – if he's already unhappy about the situation and he doesn't think Taysom Hill is very good, is he really going to want to go out there and play with Taysom Hill? I mean, like, I think he probably understands that Jason Winston's probably your your better option to go with. Um, oh, I lost my second thought. I mean,
2: thinking back on that, Michael Thomas did pretty good uh, with Taysom at quarterback, but yeah, I did. would prefer Winston, who could push it. I felt like a little bit easier around the field, wherever needed, especially okay. if reports are accurate about how much he's improved this offseason. season.
1: So I've spent a lot of time over the past probably two years paying a lot of attention to Sean Payton's offense and how they utilize Michael Thomas. And this is going to sound really stupid. Um, It's like simple, but it's not, Um, not every time they're like you, I will say 65% of the time that they run out there with any personnel, Michael Thomas is always on the field side of the ball By himself. He's always the farthest player from the hash by himself. And it always creates those one-on-one matchups, which is why he's a a reception monster. And the only time, the only time that he is not by himself is when Alvin Kamara is on the same side with him. And you're like, well, yeah, it makes sense. But the reason Sean Payton does that is because if you put your two best players on the same side of the field, you can't continue to rotate over Like you can't roll more people over than what you already did. Like you've got your two that are one-on-one you may have, if you want to roll somebody over and then you get your safety over top, right? So you got four guys in that box. If you bring five guys in one box to step two wide receivers, you're literally creating an open wide receiver on the other side that they're going to get the ball to every time that's happened over the past few years. And typically what they do is it's not necessarily a dagger concept with the Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, but they, he uses them to overlap one. So, you know, Michael Thomas will start his route and he'll suck them in and Alvin Kamara will always switch the opposite way. And the defense always over pursues. And one of those two gets wide open mm-hmm. every time it is offensive genius. <laughs> and that Saints Offense is not, the Saints' offense without Michael Thomas, because they stick him on an island and say, "Hey, the ball's coming to you," and everybody knows the ball's coming to him, and you can't stop him. They go look if you go look at it. Go if you want to go spend some time on some highlights. If you want to even just go flip on some NFL-like game film, Michael Thomas, ninety like or like sixty-five percent of the time or whatever, is on the field side by himself with a one-on-one matchup. And he always gets the inside. Or he he always gets the outside leverage because the defense, you know, the defensive defensive shader right there wants to take that uh, inside shade to take away the slant. It doesn't matter. And it doesn't stop it, but he always gets outside leverage. So then he always has a free outside release. And that's why he always gets those um, comeback routes where he's cooked them because they're so worried about the slant that he hits them with the backside with a free release. It's disgusting. And that Saints offense does not go without Michael Thomas. So I'd, Oh, that Saints passing offense doesn't go without Michael Thomas. So, if Michael Thomas isn't on the field, you better have Jameis out there just chugging it to everybody who's available.
2: So, if Michael Thomas isn't on the field, what do you expect for those first couple weeks? Because, I don't know, for me, I mean, I'm going to put all my attention as a defensive coordinator on Kamara and say I dare you to find somebody else that can beat me.
1: That's exactly the problem is Camaro will be a volume monster. He'll probably be relatively inefficient without Michael Thomas um, to start the season. Um, But he'll still be an RB one. He'll still, I mean, he's still going to be fantastic, but he's going to have more volume and less efficiency probably this year, you know, and then you will have to hear those, all those arguments of like, Oh, he's, you know, he's declining and stuff, but like the whole offensive situation is going to be declining because I mean, well, Drew Brees is gone, obviously, but Michael Thomas isn't going to be there for the first six weeks. I would be willing to – I'd bet the house that those the split between pre- and post-Thomas this year are going to be astronomically different on Alvin Kamara's efficiency <laughs> and volume.
2: Oh, for sure. I think this actually might be the year that we see Kamara get close to that 100 receptions mark and, uh, as of course, with his normal – huge workload as far as the rushing game, but I don't know. I'm was, very uh, curious. Well,
1: okay. So Marquez Caldwell, we got to talk about him. Oh, of course.
2: as far as going with this.
1: Yeah. Uh, are you actually interested or are you, because Austin was hyping him up in the group chat the other day. And I just said, you know, it's a bad player being the best of a bunch of bad players. I don't know how you feel about that.
2: Uh, see, I'm not big on any of the other receiver twos, even with the option of knowing, okay, Michael Thomas looks like he's out for most of the early part of the season, even up to maybe the halfway point looks like at this point, because they might flash early. So if I have a share, I might wait until week two, say, well, this guy's a guy and then boot him because I just don't see him being even a receiver three by the end of the year. I don't even see him putting up receiver three numbers. Most of those seasons he gets uh, most of the weeks he gets to start like, Preferably, I'd rather just lean away from that whole situation. Or bust. Yeah, I'm okay with Troutman for, like, tight end leagues.
1: Well, is he potentially going to be, like, the TJ Hawkinson volume guy this year just because of lack of talent around him?
2: He could be that sneaky back-end tight end one uh, tight finisher because of purely the amount of volume he should see
1: because oh, all,
2: all the receivers are going to get shot down by Tom. time Michael Thomas comes back and the offense doesn't normally support more than two fantasy viable I, weapons.
0: I still worry about Troutman, e- even, you know, missing Thomas and some of these things just because he he's more of an inline guy. And I know that yeah, that doesn't mean he, he can't is. be successful, but he just doesn't play out of like the slot or out wide much. So, you do you know.
1: Ha- I don't think, you don't have to. I mean, like, it's just nice. Like, the, I think the problem is these Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, George Kittle guys are so unique that everybody wants them to be like that. But, like, they're not going to be. Like, it, Adam Trotman will be a very good NFL tight end. Cole Komet will be a very good NFL tight end. But they're not those, you know, those matchup nightmares. It's like you, can't, you won't see them. Like, there's nothing wrong with being at the end of the line or, you know, being in the H slot. But,
0: yeah, I think that's he gets, fair. He catches I just 50
1: think... balls this year. He's a viable tight end.
0: I I think it probably just caps his ceiling a little bit in terms of, you know, he's not going to be like a top seven, eight tight end, at least in my mind. Safe
1: for pretty much every tight end, other than like maybe Prime Gronk and last year's Robert Tanyan, who just catch a lot of tight touchdowns.
2: See, I kind of feel like his ceiling is like a Hunter Henry type. You're going to depend on those touchdowns to keep his fantasy volume up afloat, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's going to be more of his ceiling play this year. Because we're going to see, what, probably 60 to 80 targets, you would think, over the course of the season for him. And depending on how many touchdowns he gets, he could be kind of like that sneaky Robert Tunyon kind of guy this year. I don't expect that many touchdowns as a whole with his offense. But that could push him into that back-end one tight end. And honestly, most of those guys just got to play the whole season to get there.
1: Well, I just think that until MT comes back – It's Camara or Bust, really, unless you're in a tight end premium league or you stream tight ends. Um, Deontay Harris is interesting, but I have a personal (laughs) problem against him. So for those of you who don't know, when I was coaching at the University of Finley, that dude single handedly, well, I guess, both leggedly um, beat us in the playoffs. I mean, he, I think he returned two punt returns for a touchdown against us and had almost 300 receiving yards and two touchdowns. I mean, he absolutely torched us. It was ridiculous. So I enjoy watching him, but like, you know, I I don't think he'll ever be viable in fantasy. Um, All right. I I, uh,
0: I just, I just want to ask between like, Because I still think the quarterback situation matters a lot. I mean, Mm -hmm. Camara wasn't nearly as good when Taysom Hill was under center last year. So uh, how does that affect your decision-making in terms of, you know, rostering these guys, like Camara specifically?
1: Well, here's the thing. A couple things for that is one of those games was the uh, Broncos game. So, like, take that game out because that was literally trash. I mean, but he's still, like, I think I did the math. He still paced to be, like, 56 receptions with Taysom Hill, which isn't great, but Michael Thomas was playing during that stretch. Like, that's when Michael Thomas was there. Like, so, he I'm not worried about Alvin Kamara. I think Alvin Kamara is really, really good at football. I think Sean Payton knows that he needs to rely on him this year. Um, And forever, whoever is starting at quarterback, it should probably be Jameis. But, I mean, they're going to throw him the ball. I mean, like, I'm not worried about that three or four-game sample last year, especially when we played – you guys played a practice squad, wide receiver and quarterback. So, that's kind of how I view that.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, I kind of forgot to throw away that Broncos game. If well, you remove that, the stretch isn't isn't really
1: it, – it, is right. it was still a decline. But it was still – he was still a high-end RB1. Um, but here's the thing is you mentioned it earlier – Michael Thomas was on pace to have like 120 receptions, 1,400 yards and seven touchdowns with Taysom Hill at quarterback. So take Michael Thomas, if you already have him, you're not getting full market value. So unless you get a really good offer, you might as well just hold him and just try to stay afloat until he comes back. I don't think he gets traded. The math doesn't make sense. Over the next two years, they'd have $30 million in dead cap. You know, a lot of times things can be fixed with money. Um, If you look up in, like, Miami this week alone, just give a guy a little bit of money, he'll shut the fuck up. Um, I mean, no, seriously. I mean, like, Xavier Howard wasn't happy, and okay, you're – you know, we'll fix that. So, that's just how I view that, and I don't think there's anybody else in the Saints that's really worth talking about.
0: Well, and Michael Thomas is the slant god. So, slant king, slant god, however you want to phrase it. So, he's going to be relevant no matter what, right? I mean – Anybody's going to hit those slants, but can we talk about Kyle Pitts cuz he's going as tight end 3, <laughs> tight end wait, 3, who, which is crazy. Wait, hold but, on, who
1: did he jump?
0: Uh, he's right in front of Kittle. He's dra- he's being drafted at least in July. Um so it might be a little bit dated. August isn't up yet on DLF, but Pitts going 30th overall tight end 3, Kittle going 31st overall tight end 4. So right next to each other. Wow. Well, here's
1: the only rebuttal I have. Um and it's not a very good one. Um, I think the Falcons will be really bad this year. They'll be down a lot. I think a lot of targets come Kyle Pitts' way. And I think with you know, Debo coming back, Iuke in year two, you know, Jimmy G back, you know, I mean, there's a world where that's very possible that Kyle Pitts completely outproduces him. Plus, with Kyle Pitts, you don't have all those injuries. I mean I love George Kittle, and I think everybody does, but he is not a pillar of health. He's not going to play 17 games this year. So, yeah, that's and a good He's point. never scored more than five touchdowns in a season. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like, I I don't know if I agree with taking Kyle Pitts over George Kittle, but I don't hate it because, I mean, like, when you look at everything, you know, who's going to get the more volume, who's probably – so, I mean, it's close. I think he'd flip a coin.
0: When I think with, um, you know, you're projecting for dynasty here, and when you consider that, you know, Julio Jones is gone, I think you have to imagine the Falcons use Pitts essentially as their wide receiver too. Like he'll line up at tight end, but he's going to line up in the slot and out wide a lot as well. Right. So you got to think the way that they're going to use him, he's kind of going to be their wide receiver too.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, he has to be, but overall, like, calvin ridley was very effective as a backup for julio jones playing as that receiver two role and so if pitts can get most of that work as a rookie like i can see it i don't feel comfortable taking him that high but i i still have him right here looking at it i still have him at five and it's actually right behind the big three and then i prefer what i've seen out of fant so far like i just Uh think he's a better athlete after the catch not saying pitts isn't bad athlete at all obviously he tested phenomenally well but I would still go with uh, Fant because we know it normally takes two to three years before those tight ends start really getting in gear so I just think Fant would outproduce him even this year
0: but do you think that's the same because you know I think about that a lot with Pitts but I wonder if he will have uh, maybe shorter learning curve just because he will be utilized kind of as a wide receiver tight end hybrid like he's not going to be spending quite as much time in line as a lot of these tight ends that come into the league in their rookie years.
2: Yeah. I don't think we've really seen a tight end that's going to get truly utilized kind of like Waller does already in Oakland. So, I mean, if the Falcons have plans to make pits like that and truly use them more on the outside, not so much on inline blocking. Yeah, it very well could happen, but I think it's going to be very touchdown dependent and Sam kind of like you said, if this offense is not scoring a lot because that defense is bad, because they can't keep up for some reason, then you got an issue. Now, if Matt Ryan can get in gear and he's still throwing 4,000-plus yards, 30 touchdowns a season, yeah, there's definitely a world where it makes sense. It's not one I'm probably going to put the odds on, though, in my favor.
0: I think I'm still taking him at tight end. Maybe not three, but definitely four. I, I would not – I don't think Fant is – you know I love Hawkinson, and I would still take Pitts over Hawkinson. Um so that's kind of where I have him. I I still think he's. Pitts, I still think you got to take him at three or four. Or not
1: Pitts? Is Hawkinson the tight end five? Then I mean he has to be. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think so.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think. I think yeah, in I'm a at, year from I'm now we've six, potentially we all the same tier. What, what
2: I was gonna you say, say, like I have him at six. So I mean, it's to me, it's uh, after the big three, you got Pitts, you got Fant, you got Hawkinson. Uh, I threw in Andrews and Goddard in this tier as well. Like I can see any of those guys seriously go anywhere else in the top eight, any order, and I wouldn't hesitate. I or, think like, yeah, oh, I think in a, sense.
1: yeah, I think like in a year from now we could be having the conversation that you know like there's a big four and it's Fan or you know Hawkinson or Pitts or you know there's a big six or or mm-hmm. you know shit. I mean like maybe Travis Kelsey hits the dust this year, and the big three next year is like uh you know I mean like you. I guess what I'm trying to say is you never know, but I do think that Hawkinson and Fant Pitts have the potential to join that tier one tier. Um I know we recently talked about the Broncos, but with the way that the Broncos are planning on using Noah Fant, you got to be excited about that. Um TJ Hawkinson sure as hell looks the part in camp. Um and then Kyle Pitts, I mean like we're talking about on now he he's I mean he looks good, he's and I mean he's going to be a He's going to catch a lot of footballs this year. All you want is good players who are going to catch a lot of footballs. So,
0: well, speaking of that, is there a safer wide receiver than Calvin Ridley? I mean, I know there will. Don't say that.
1: Go knock on some board (laughs) or (laughs)
0: something. Just knock. There we go. But I mean, really, though, like just with his like situation
1: and productivity and and everything. Here's the question he's a wide receiver one, but the question is can he finish as the wide receiver one? And we don't know. I mean, like he's been training for the past two to three years. I don't remember how long he's been in town to be the guy. Now he's the guy and he's got somebody who's going to take pressure off of him. Um, I think he's a lock this year for top five. If he stays healthy, um, he'll probably catch a hundred footballs. He'll probably have 13, 1400 yards. And I think next year he'll be in the conversation as a top five dynasty wide receiver. I mean, and that's even with Matt reti- or Matt Ryan, you know, potentially retiring, getting cut, them drafting somebody else. I mean, we don't know, but yeah, I mean, he's fire. I think the conversation to be had is, who the heck do you want after him?
0: After him, you mean on your? Like in terms of your fantasy team or or what do you mean?
1: Like on the Falcons, who are you going? I mean, like Russell Gage seems like the low-hanging fruit, but he's not particularly good. He might just be like a volume guy. Like he's not necessarily a good football player. He's just there like due to lack of, well, everybody else around him. And I still don't know how valuable he's going to be if he's technically the third wide receiver, if Kyle Pitts is who we think he is.
0: Yeah, I agree. I'm not all that interested in really any other pass catcher, including Gage. He's going as wide receiver 59 overall, which, you know, isn't bad by any means, but he's Uh going right in between like Gabe Davis, Diami Brown, um, Antonio Brown. I mean, I just, I don't know. I think I'd rather take, take, yeah, I
1: I think Russell Gage finishes the year with like 55 receptions, you know, six, 700 yards and like three or four touchdowns. Like, a, a viable flex play some weeks, um, but the question is, like, did you yeah. ever start him on the
0: right week? Exactly. exactly. Yeah, you can't – he's not going to be a guy you can rely on.
1: Well, I, mean, I don't really see doesn't him have that much upside. pushing, you know, 80, 90 receptions. I'd be shocked. Um, really shocked, actually.
0: It'll be interesting to see how they use a guy like Corderell Patterson, who's going to be kind of a backup running back, but – also a guy who can catch the ball. They may split him out. He could have some very deep PPR value, but I'm really, I I'm, I'm still interested in Mike Davis. I still think, I mean, I, I just think he's a good football player. And I know some of these kind of later breakout running backs that go to a new team like this, it's, it's I not think, usually a recipe for success, but he's going as RB 31. And I think he's actually a, a decent player.
1: Yeah. I think he's um, like the Austin Eckler, of the NFC um, somebody who's not necessarily like a, like a very good football player, but they're, they're decent and they get a lot of volume. Right. If he'll help outproduce. If he stays healthy, he'll outproduce that ADP. Uh just, you know, how far Um I wouldn't want him as my RB one in any league. I'll tell you that, you know, I'd be a little worried if he's my RB two, but you know, if he's your flex, he, you're in a good spot. I mean, he's starting running back in the NFL. Um He's a good player. He's not dynamic, or anything but he'll do the job
0: yeah I think for me he's a he's been a big target of mine because I've been playing kind of the anchor the anchor running back strategy where you grab you know a stud running back early on and then you kind of go with that zero RB strategy in terms of just loading up a wide receiver tight end whatever else you want to do and then you grab your wide receiver two kind of after the dust settles on you know everybody grabs you mean RB two, two? or RB2 yeah running back two and then you know Kind of, Mike Davis is usually one of those guys that's kind of left over. Like I said, going as wide, uh, RB thirty-one. I think, I think I'm comfortable having him as my RB two, but I'd rather him be my RB three. Okay. And, so, and and uh, in dynasty, he probably doesn't have you know that long-term value either. So you're definitely investing kind of short-term in him. I would say Yeah, he's
1: definitely like a one-year band-aid. Um, right. Like this year alone, uh, Mike Davis or Darrell Henderson.
0: Ooh.
2: I like probably in Davis. a vacuum.
0: Oh, you say Davis?
2: I I think I would lean Davis.
0: Yeah, I probably do too, just because of the volume. Um, but um, uh,
1: Mike Davis <laughs> and I don't think. Oh no, I think would uh,
2: I will say because Damian with Darrell
1: Henderson, Mike think, Davis or Damian Harris, like somebody who's like Davis
2: as a Pats fan, please avoid that backfield. Still going He's Davis? It's gonna be
1: yes. Oh.
2: James White will have his role. Damian Harris will have his role. But if Cam Newton looks like he's still going to be the starting quarterback, there's your RB1. So that's going to knock out all the scoring opportunities. I don't care how bad the Falcons are. I believe Davis is going to still get more touches overall. So I would take that one-year rental over that nightmare. All right.
0: I I just want to say I would take Davis over Henderson. My – sorry to go back to this, but I just want to be clear with, with Henderson. I like Henderson and he's, he's like more dynamic and stuff, but I don't know how many touches a game he's going to handle. And I think Davis is built to be kind of a workhorse this year.
1: Yeah. I think that's fair. Um, All right. Can we talk about the Panthers so I can talk about my guy?
0: Absolutely, but go that, ahead. Let's. Yeah, I know you're. Excited I'll say it. I'll say
1: that. Save it. I'll. I'll build up to it. Um, Sam Darnold. Um, has been decent in camp. Nothing spectacular. Nothing scary. Um, he's he's driving the car right now, and that's what you want him to do. He's not making catastrophic mistakes. He's making some good throws. Um, they're bringing him along. Um, I don't know what his ADP is, but I'm sure it's probably fine in every format. Um, he's probably a good value in super flex and one QB. Um, yeah. I mean, he 28. QB he's got, 28. Yeah. This is, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was probably thinking a little bit 30, 31. So I was a little off, but I mean, he's got fantastic weapons around him. Um, he's got a good coach. If he doesn't succeed, I mean, this is it for him. Like he's not getting another shot. Um, I don't know. Where are you guys at with just Sam Darnold? I mean, like, I liked him. He was my QB1 coming in, Um, and I was actually, like, I'll never forget, like, when draft night started that night and how unhappy I was about the selection that Cleveland had just made um, because I was there, but um, how unhappy I was that Darnold went to the Jets and then um, Allen to the Bills. But Uh,
2: See – I don't know. I'm, I'm worried about Darnham because we've always seen kind of the same traits throughout college. And now so far in the NFL, I get it. He's still a super young guy. So there's a lot of growing potential for him at this point still. But yeah. like the dude's super. Oh, he was athletic enough for a quarterback. He was able to roll out and just some of those times like you could see just make some amazing extended plays unscripted. But the issue was when he wasn't doing that, he did the exact opposite. He was making those boneheaded mistakes. Going to the Jets, that was not a good recipe anyway. So, I mean, it's, it's really hard to base it off that because I didn't think the organization was good. I had questions about how they were going to coach him up and kind of help fit his strengths. I think Joe Brady can actually do that a little bit better this year. So, like, I like that potential. And, I mean, if he's going at quarterback 28. You can get him as a solid QB three if you want to take a stud quarterback uh, QB two around mid rounds and then just wait and go target every other position, come back and get you a QB three. But you're, you're taking a big risk because if he's not it this year, that means the Panthers probably have a high draft pick or they're going to sit there and try and make a giant move, go get Watson or Spencer Rattler, uh, Sam Howells, one of those 2022 guys, whatever one's available on the board
0: but even at QB 28, it's not that much risk. Like I think he's because uh, the other QBs going around him are like Jameis Winston, um, which is at risk. You know, you don't know if he's going to be a starter, you know, next year you have like Ryan Fitzpatrick going as QB 30, who again, probably, I mean, every year you think he's probably (laughs) coming to the end, but um, you know, so I I think at QB 28, he could definitely return a lot of value, but yeah, it it could definitely go either way. I'm not usually these late breakout quarterbacks, like that's not a thing, but we did see it with Ryan Tannehill. And and I think a lot of people like to draw the same conclusion for Darnold, you know, getting away from Gase, but um, the guy has tons of talent. And like you said, super young, he's just turned 24, I think. So uh,
1: I'm interested uh, there,
0: at that price tag.
1: Okay. Is there anybody in here? Who does not have Christian McCaffrey as your RB1 in 2021?
2: No, that's an easy move. I mean, he's an RB1 Yeah, so Christian
1: McCaffrey can be a pretty short conversation if you want it to be, or it can be a really long one. Um, He's healthy. He's arguably the best running back in the NFL. He's going to catch a lot of footballs. He's going to make a lot of plays. He'll score touchdowns. He'll be an RB1 Um, if he stays healthy. Um, Yeah. I mean, have to
2: add? <laughs> I think he was healthy at the end of last year, but they just realized, look, it's a yeah, real year. It's, I... We're turning the program around. We're not going to injure our star player we just paid. So when it comes to Dynasty, I'm not moving them off RB1 because I look at it as a two- to three-year window. I'm not trying to project past that because, I mean, we can look back three years from now, the NFL was a super different place compared to today. So, yeah, for the next two, three years, I'm perfectly happy if he's your RB one.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I don't have anything to add. I mean, it's really that simple. Sometimes fantasy football is simple and you don't got to make it hard. Um, a wide receiver. Um, I mean, we, we got two guys that I really want to talk about. Um, well, I guess there's three. You just can't disrespect Robbie like that. Nope. Um, DJ Moore, Terrace Marshall and um, Robbie Anderson. Um, DJ will probably lead the team in targets and receptions. Um, I don't really. I, I don't. Is that a hot take or is that? I don't think so. No,
0: I, I agree with that. I think touchdowns are my only question with DJ. Well, Matthews. you would hope that
1: the offense improves this year from Teddy Bridgewater and no Christian McCaffrey to Sam Darnold and Christian McCaffrey. So, yeah, you're hoping that improves. Uh, I guess the question is. Terrace Marshall or Robbie Anderson. Um, I, which, I think there's a world where Robbie starts better and then Terrace Marshall finishes better. Um, I mean, like, Terrace Marshall is bigger than you would expect him to be. He looks great. Um, and, I mean, the past few days, I mean, they talked about force feeding him. And then another report came out today that said I retweeted it because I was talking about it. Um, it's clear the Panthers are doing everything in their power to get Terrace Marshall heavily involved right from the outset. Um, I mean, they drafted him in the second round. He played wide receiver for Joe Brady. So I mean, like he's not just not going to play. I and I think
0: yeah, with him. I think one of my favorite things about Terrace Marshall is he's. He does have a lot of alpha traits and, you know, he can play on the outside, but he also played out of the slot a lot. And I think, especially for a rookie coming into the league, a guy who has that versatility, like you said, it's not easy for rookie wide receivers to get on the field, especially when you have a couple guys ahead of you. So the fact that he can play in the slot and the outside, they can kind of move him around and play him him both ways. I think that gives him – you know, a, a good advantage is to get on the field early and often. But I, I still think probably for this year, i I probably taking Robbie Anderson. But, I mean, I like Terrace a lot in the long term. And, and I wouldn't be surprised, like you said, if if Robbie kind of starts the season better, but then
2: Marshall kind uh, of takes later. over. Yeah. I mean, what gets me excited, Sam, is, I mean, I know you're much more of the film guy. And analytics were also just perfect behind Terrence Marshall. So to hear that the film is matching up with what the stats say behind it, I mean, I'm all in. Most people have been able to get this dude mid-second all off-season, and I think they just got to steal. I think he, they end up could be probably going to end up being the, sec- the um, best second, the best second-round pick any rookie is going to be this whole year. So anyone who was able to get him in that second round. And some people are getting them, like, 209, 210.
1: I got I – mean, yeah, it's sorry insane. to cut you off. Yeah, you but told I got us him. that story, yeah.
0: Oh,
2: yeah,
1: last week. <laughs> that's
0: where yeah. I got – I was like, man, that sounded familiar. Yeah, <laughs> I got him at I got him at 210. Yeah, that's crazy. That's it. That's insane. But yeah,
2: I mean, I think you've got a screaming buy super opportunity. Um, my only concern is, like, we hear this offseason well, – every single offseason, we hear something about this. Oh, we expect this guy to leave, so now the new young guy is going to come in and do something. I mean, that was a whole story that I used on Van Jefferson last year. I just took him in late third and waited and let that hype kind of build go. Yeah, he's going to take over for Woods or Cup. And then I immediately dumped him and sold him for like a, gosh, I think I got him a 21 second out of it. So, I mean, it was back in third. I knew there wasn't really good shots. I don't think that's the case with Marshall because Marshall is way more talented and he's going to an offense with a coach. I think that prioritizes getting him the ball. It sounds like.
1: I mean, they've talked about it and they've talked about putting him in the slot just to get him on the field. I mean, like, I think that just tells me like that this kid's so dynamic that they just went on the field and I, I pay a lot of attention to practice reports and every day before practice, he's the first guy out there on the jugs machine. Um, the kid loves to work. Um, he's humble. He's quiet. He's hungry. And, and he's he looks good he's I know he's listed at 6'2", fifteen, but he looks 6'3", 6'4". He's an imposing figure. He is yeah yeah, he's thick too. Yeah he's way bigger than I like ever thought.
0: I think this year especially like the late first early second picks are so valuable with guys like Terrace Marshall being there and like I love Elijah Moore he's another guy we won't you know get into him but just that range of wide receivers, there's a few guys I really like. And if, yeah, I, like I said, when I got him at 210, I was trying to trade up like the entire second round to get him. And I couldn't, I just, it was so frustrating. I couldn't get a deal done. And then it's just like every pick was, oh, it's not him. Okay, good. Oh, I'm still trying to move up. Okay, it's not him. Good. And it, somehow he was there at 210, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited
2: That's for him. That's insanely lucky, but yeah, I'm more worried for the people who still have DJ Moore as a receiver one, is that really still within his range of outcomes at this point?
0: I think it's in his range of outcomes. If his, he has positive regression and touchdowns, but I'm, I, I really like DJ Moore, but I'm not, I'm at the point where, yeah, I, I don't want him as a wide receiver one at all.
1: I don't think you've ever, you've never and you never will have to draft him as a wide receiver one. Um, but last year, I mean, last year people were touting him as like a potential, five.
0: like the wide receiver. Like people were saying he has the wide receiver one upside, and he's going as wide receiver
1: thirteen right now, so pretty close. He at worst, I think he's like wide receiver. Tw- I mean, no, count I on I think he's somewhere between like wide receiver twelve and seventeen.
0: Yeah, he's, um, he feels like fairly I mean,
1: safe. The question we did. I feel like I feel like he's somewhat safe, but you don't know because like. If Terrace Marshall comes out and like if what if Terrace Marshall is like this is Justin Jefferson? Like like he all of a sudden just bursts on the scene and becomes like a hundred yard or a hundred reception guy. I mean, like, what the hell does that do to DJ Moore? And then are we assuming that at that point Robbie's basically dead? Well, yeah, because I mean Robbie's a free agent after this year, right? So I could
0: definitely see like Terrace becoming the one A and DJ Moore still being like the one B, where they're they're both getting, you Let's know, see. 120, 30 targets.
2: You also got McCaffrey there too, and talent's going to demand targets as well. So, I don't know. I'm just – I'm worried about it. I I was looking over some of this stuff and looking at my rankings with him. I I think I'm ready to get him outside the top 15 at this point. I just don't see that happening because if Terrence is going to be force-fed in the uh, red zone, we know McCaffrey's going to get his targets. Anderson, they seem to go to more last year than Moore, which was frustrating as all get out with all the different DJ Moore shares I had. I just – I don't know. I don't see top 15 anymore.
0: Andrew, can I, I'm sorry to do this to you, but can you say That's his right. name again?
2: Which one? DJ the Moore. Terrace, the Marshall? Terrace Marshall.
0: Terrace, there you go. You, I swear, you said Terrence the last time. I, just I may have, heard.
2: man. I, I got like 80 something new kids this year, so like, I'm, <laughs> I'm learning all these names. These seven and, and players, you're you moving.
0: Know. Andrew just moved. He's got a
1: lot going on. I just had to call oh, yeah. you out on that. DJ uh, Moore so or Keenan Allen in 2021. Allen. Keenan
2: Allen. Yeah, better. Offense overall, Well, I'll, I'll say they're both good offenses, but I trust the quarterback better for the Chargers. DJ
1: Moore or Julio?
2: DJ Moore. Could i go more for a Redraft or a Dynasty.
1: Okay, so I'm, I'm trying to think, like, I'm trying to, like, go through, like, collectively, like, and don't pull it up, because, like, that ruins the some of the fun. Like, some of, like, those <laughs> tier guys who, like, you would take. So, so far, I mean, like, you're up to on...
2: How about him or
1: Brandon Ayuk?
2: Ooh. Okay,
1: probably DJ.
2: I, I still lean DJ a little bit. Yeah, I don't know how Ayuk's situation's the going same out. argument
1: you would have for um, Robbie, or I mean, DJ is the same argument you would have for Brandon Ayuk, right? Essentially, but you're you know, like, talking
2: a rookie quarterback potentially. If it's both a teams DD. are getting
1: better quarterback play from you know whoever the backups were last year in San Francisco to Jimmy G and Trey Lance, and then you know so um, DJ Moore or robert woods
2: for which setting redraft i think i would lean woods
1: well 2021 and then dynasty
2: redraft i think i would go woods dynasty probably more but i'll turn around try and sell for woods plus if i feel like i'm a contender anyway
1: yeah all right
0: um that's a tough one though that one's that one's tough i I, I think feel like I, they all are kind of tough. Like, I think I'd go more on that one, both redraft and dynasty. DJ over
1: Moore Woods. or Deontay Johnson?
2: I feel like they're going to be very, very close in points for this year.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a,
0: Yeah, that, that is a tough one, too. So
1: that's kind of where DJ Moore yeah, is. around there. And that's assuming with Terrace Marshall taking a role and D- Robbie keeping his role. So, like, kind of that tier three wide receiver where you got your superstars, you got your stars, and then, like, the really, really, really good guys, like Adam Thielen, DJ Moore guys.
0: Can I just say I'm somewhat interested in one of these tight ends, but it's not Ian Thomas. It's not Tommy (laughs) Tremble. Dan Arnold. Dan the man (laughs) Arnold. I think this dude could be, like, you know, kind of the Logan Thomas, like, later. I mean, he's not not that old. He's only, like, 20. He's 26, but – still kind of a later breakout Um, he's 6'5 222 and he's just a monster and there's been some reports that him and Darnold have pretty good chemistry and the guy is basically free I mean he's going so late so if he
1: hits it makes you just wonder if King Cliff Kingsbury can coach at
0: all that's true Ooh. that's true and to be clear I think Arnold is like you know kind of a late stash yeah. kind of guy I'm not like I think he's always shown
1: good flash. It's just it's never been consistent. That's probably why he didn't get a contract. But I will say that video that his agent leaked of, like, where his agent sat on the phone negotiating with the team was really interesting. Um, I don't know if you guys ever saw that. I didn't
0: see that. Yeah, there was a
1: Dan Arnold, like, agent video where if you pull it up, he's on the phone, like, negotiating with the team, like – you know, like, this guy is this. He's totally worth this. Like, he does a great job. And Dan and Arnold got a fat contract out of it. Yeah. Oh, wow. And Pulled that. up at some point, you know. and um, But I don't think, you know, there's anybody else really worth talking about. Um, yeah, so let's –
2: the only
0: team we have – sorry, Andrew, did you want to mention anything
2: else? Papa uh, Bay. I was just going to say, Arnold, I think, is going to be in a better real-life player than he ever is. fantasy. fancy. Yeah. just – there's too many mounts. I don't think he's yeah. going to be that useful. That's fair.
0: He's definitely. I love to stash like a few like tight ends like that that just have upside at the end of my bench and just okay. Well, would you rather
1: have? Um, I have these three guys. I actually ironically all stashed on my bench in my league. Um, Noah Gray, Kyling Granson, Jacob Harris, or Dan Arnold?
2: Hmm. probably Gray. Harris
1: probably. at this point. I
2: would lean Harris, then Granson, then Gray than arnold interesting i'd
0: definitely rather have arnold than gray but i feel like if dan
1: arnold's about to ever have any value it's going to be this year
0: for sure i think i would take arnold and and uh and uh what's harris those would be the two that i would like out of that group
1: all right now we just got to talk about tampa bay
0: yeah so what is i mean they have obviously some one probably the best wide receiver core in the league, if not top two, I would say. But uh
1: I would say let's go through quarterback running. I feel like there's a lot of discussion to be had at literally every position, not quarterback. Um quarterback, um, you're drafting Tom Brady, he's gonna be a QB one, probably an MVP candidate. Um, I don't care that he's forty-three. Um He's going to be really good. Congratulations if you draft him. He's always at his ADP. Anybody else have anything you want to add?
2: Uh, I got him for Davis Mills and um, Edmonds. And a 12-team super flex. So, yeah. Which Edmonds? Chase Edmonds. Okay. So, I didn't need Edmonds. I got too many rece- uh, running backs. They were going to play over him. But I got Brady as a solid second QB. He's going to be good. I think he's going yeah, to play again hard, next year. Man. So, I buy him to die on essentially die on my bench, but he's going to play until he retires.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, QB8 last year, he's going to be right around there again. So
1: that's pretty simple. Um, running backs. Um, I read a report the other day, and I mean, I pay a lot of attention to Tampa Bay, and I'm pretty good friends with, you know, Ronald Jones and his camp. Um, beat reporters and coaches, it kind of seems like it's Ronald Jones' backfield and then Giovanni Bernard. Leonard Fournette has fallen behind. He's looked bad. Um, fumbles, drops. Um, I mean, I really think that this year, Ronald Jones will be a good value again. He'll average four to four and a half, five yards a pop. Probably get close to 200 carries. He'll probably push 1,000 yards on the ground. Um, probably seven touchdowns or so, maybe. Um, Giovanni Bernard's, I think, the really interesting guy. Um, how many receptions does he get? Because, like, he's going to be on the field for every third down. Um, Leonard Fournette will never play a third down over him um, unless they're going to, like, run it, like, third and one, but then everybody's going to stack the box. So, I mean, I think Giovanni Bernard's a very interesting and intriguing PPR stash this year. Um, I don't know how interested you guys are.
0: I like him. I grabbed him in a best ball league. I really like him in best ball just because of that PPR upside. But I don't think yeah. just in terms of like having him on my bench, I don't know when I'm ever going to want to play him unless I just have to. Um, and that's tough, but I, I like him a lot more in best ball, but I'm, I'm with you. Like, I think we well, I also, guess if he comes
1: out, you know, week one, two and three and has four receptions, five receptions, four receptions then you know, like, okay. Yeah. yeah like, And that's what he might be. He might have 60 receptions this year and be a flex in a PPR league. Um, I don't think he's anything more than that. Um, He's a guy who could potentially win you a championship on the back end of your bench, Um, potentially. He's a good football player. He's he's 28. Um, He's great out of the backfield. He fits that James White role perfectly. He can run in between the tackles, but it's not a strength. I think
0: Rojo is a guy that can win you a championship. Yeah, absolutely. Keep saying, like he, I, he's going as RB 32. And I don't understand, like how? he's in a contract year. He's explosive. He's the best running back they have in an extremely good offense. Like, I don't see why he's going as RB 32.
1: Well, people, I mean, still narrative street. The narrative. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, that narrative will never die. I mean, like, you know, it, it never will. He'll be a fine player for years. Um, I don't think Leonard Fournette completely goes away. I mean, unless they just cut him, uh, which is possible, you know, maybe Vaughn. I mean, I've heard Keyshawn Vaughn's had an all right camp. So, I mean, like maybe Vaughn, I mean, maybe they cut Fournette and Vaughn's the backup. And I don't think they will. I think they want to keep four running backs. They've talked about it. Um, Bruce Arian just said that anytime he ever goes underneath four running backs, it comes back to fuck him in the ass was his exact words. So I'm assuming that he's going to keep all four. Um, yeah. I thought it was funny too. He, that dude is so blunt. He, he is. He's funny. <laughs> he really is.
0: One of my favorite of just the, the, the Amazon's version of, um, Oh my God, I'm drawing a blank. What is it? Called? What's the HBO show that's on the Cowboys? Hard Knocks. Amazon yeah. has a version of that and they did one on the Cardinals when Arians was there. Fantastic. He made the show. He's, he's awesome.
1: I met him one time for like maybe 30 seconds or a minute. Um, and I asked him for a piece of advice. And he goes, You want to coach, build your house on the wheels and don't forget it. And then, like, I, and i it's funny because then I've, i moved, you know, seven times in the past two years. So it's, it is what it is. But, um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't, anything else to add to the running backs? I think.
0: No, I just I think, I think there's weeks where. It.
1: I, either, I think it'll either be like a trend where it's like, okay, you know, Ronald Jones gets 13 carries, Leonard Frenette gets two or three and Giovanni Bernard gets two or three, you know, maybe four receptions. Um, and I think, you know, that's probably how it goes or it's a headache. And if it's a headache, you didn't lose anything because the ADP was never egregious. So right.
2: yeah. I mean, for RB 32, I think Jones is well worth the price of, Going as your RB three sitting on the flex, because we know receivers are a little bit deeper. You can always grab somebody. Uh, Giovanni Bernard, I checked, like he is going at eighty outside of the top two hundred. So that's for your late round targets for sure. If you didn't get Jones for some reason, uh, Giovanni Bernard would definitely be somebody that looks like they're going to have a good role. But I'm just not sure quite how much because Brady's always. He gets compared with that James Wright role, but Brady's also never had this many weapons elsewhere in the offense.
1: Yeah. And those weapons are pretty ridiculous because, I mean, like, is it out of the realm of possibility, like, you know, AB is the best wide receiver this year in Tampa Bay? Uh, Because, I mean, like, I've heard that and I've heard and seen that, like, sorry, stupid iMac. Um, He's had a great camp, so. I mean, he had that connection. I mean, who, what are you doing with his wide receivers?
2: I uh, take as many as I can.
1: But what, like, is but, is their ADP fair compared to where you feel comfortable? Like, I mean, like, do you want Mike Evans as your wide receiver one? No. Uh, not, Chris Godwin is your wide receiver one.
0: I would rather have Godwin as my wide receiver okay, one, but I prefer you, either of them as my wide
1: receiver two. Okay, yep. but you can only pick one of the wide receivers. Who are you taking? I'm taking uh, Godwin. And is that who you think is going to be Evans. the most productive of the guys? Oh, I'll go Evans. Or do you think that he's just saying the best value compared to ADP? Because, like, they uh, have three fantastic wide receivers. I think it's going to be some weeks one guy scores, next week somebody else scores. So it's like – how do you think that ends up, I guess?
2: So, going for production and ADP at the same time, I think it'd be Evans for me. I just, he looks like he's going to be the main focus in the red zone. So, he was always seemed like Brady's go to guy if you need to play to be made in that area. So, he's also like three rounds cheaper than Godwin because we know he's hit that magic number for receivers where, oh my gosh, he's falling off a cliff. He's old. Uh it Antonio Brown like he is a good stash and I've got him stashed in a couple places but that was the thought process of his production will be okay probably not super useful but if Godwin or Evans miss any time this season oh my goodness he could legit be your receiver that's going to help win leagues late late well I,
1: I think that can be said for all three of the wide receivers though right I mean like if, if Mike Evans misses any time, congratulations. Chris Godwin is a league winner. Or, you know, if Chris I mean, Godwin... yeah, but if you're taking them at
2: like, but he's going in the top five rounds. Yeah. So, like, his ceiling is only going to go so high. There's only so few receivers that go in front of Godwin. Evans, I've seen anywhere f- from being receiver 12, 13 to some people got him outside their top 20 receivers. So, it depends on your league, but I think Evans is that guy personally for me.
1: Who, who do you want to jalen darden or Scotty miller um because they both have great camps i mean like like is are you really interested in any of the tight ends or any of the also other wide receivers at this point because well, they,
0: uh, in dynasty i'm interested in oj howard i i yeah. said my case on him but i still yeah, think
1: i he. know
0: I, I, i'm I think he – I would not be shocked. I know I, I know, I know, I get it. It's I,
1: just uh, It. – what is it, like, Drew has been saying to me lately? Eternal optimism. Ugh.
0: <laughs> also, Gronk was – just for, like, Gronk was – so credit to Mike Taglier, Fantasy Pros. He writes a, a boom bus column every year, and he wrote about Gronk a little bit and how basically his – tight end one weeks was the exact same as jimmy graham last year like that just shows you like how not or how uninspiring gronk's season was i think like
1: i want to add a few things to that a couple things one i mean he started the season slow and the second half of the season he was way better his production jumped and i mean you got to give the guy a few weeks to brush off the rust if yeah you're pulling the stats up right now um, well, cause, no, because I remember I, like the day he started hitting because I was playing against him in my league. You know, like the league I play in, where everybody just goes ballistic against me. Uh, I
0: don't disagree with that, but it also, I do. But think it's also
1: a factor. for everybody else, like it's A. B. It's Godwin, it's um, Evans, it's Giovanni Bernard, and then like and then the scraps. If he's on the field, yeah, they have three tight ends that they like.
0: Yeah, that's true, and I do think—I mean—that's part of it too. That's what I was gonna say. Like, O.J. Howard's absence definitely helped Gronk, and I think it's definitely gonna hurt him, even if you don't think Howard's gonna be any good. Which I don't I think, think you the know.
1: Tight ends I... This year, unless I'm completely just wrong, is that you're you're praying for a touchdown the week you start whatever one? You yeah, have.
0: yeah, that's for sure. I I like Howard as like my tight end four or five in a two tight end league, and I just hope that he well, shows this enough this year where he signs somewhere next they, year he's they, a free agent
1: they, yeah they declined his option
0: no they picked I it but they, they picked it up but this is i his thought fifth they year.
1: declined it
2: no because this is his fifth is year
1: team. or am i uh, he is I, playing on
2: his last last year of his option oh okay so, i don't but know but I, actually,
1: I guess the point is still stands like i think over the past few years i've realized i'm a drafted tight end early guy like, I don't want to be on, fan- I don't want to be playing fantasy football praying to God that Kyle Rudolph is going to show up.
0: For sure. And I just, when I talk about this, I'm more like in a two tight end league. Like, I like Howard. Those, those leagues early.
1: that Matt commissions. I think most of my They're
0: leagues fun. are two end leagues. I, I can't believe
1: two tight end is becoming a trend. You can, most teams struggle to find one tight end. <laughs>
2: yeah it just it tries increasing the value of the whole position like, yeah and that's where it
0: helps to get like you know your jacob harris like if you're ahead of the curb on a guy like that like um, yeah. you know so fantastic things like that but I, I
1: don't hate the idea it's just like tight ends already like the most dreadful position and i feel like digging around in the water later like I don't want to be – I don't ever want to have to log into, like, a, 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 a roster and see, like, Dawson Knox still sitting there, like, praying, like, this is the year. <laughs>
0: <And laughs> that when you put it like
1: that, that that's fair. <laughs> yeah, you definitely but I, go I, early look, in those situations. I,
0: I have to have somewhere to roster Dan Arnold, so – But I, I, I don't – I then. think
1: legitimately right now, he's a fine stash in a 12-team tight end league. Or, yeah. I mean, a 12-team one tight end league.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. He's
1: like, you're totally picking him up. Like, he's a starting yeah. tight end for a team, and he's big and dynamic, and they're saying good things about him. That, that's and, somebody you pick up. Right. The odds of him hitting are not very good, but you're picking him up because he's free. And that's even with Howard. Like, Howard is going late enough where – Here's the thing. The second you pick somebody up, they're no longer free. So, now somebody has to trade for him. So, it's like – Right. Like, that guy immediately becomes valuable. Like I have a theory and I've waited for somebody to say it, but I'll just say this now. Like I played a league where people are like, Oh, the fifths are value. Like they're junk. You throw them away. I'll take them. I'll th- if you tell me they're worthless, then I'll take every single one of your fifth round picks because they were something to me. Right. So th- then like, Oh, no, no, I wouldn't want to do that. Well, then they have value right. because if you say something has doesn't have value and I do, therefore it has value. Um, and that's just, I mean, like, cause you just like, I mean, like, I don't want to get into the Patreon, but I have that series where I talk about what you do with fifth round picks. Um, but anyways, I guess the point remains. I don't yeah, even know. That's... What was even the entire point? Like, we got super
0: it, sidetracked. It was a good – well, you're, that was a good point about <laughs> that even fifth round picks have value. But I think that's pretty much it with the Bucks. unless you guys have any other names you want to mention. Kyle Trask.
1: I think he's a good stash in dynasty. I mean, like if you have a spot to burn for the next two years, like taxi squad, maybe. Yeah. Like a taxi Taxi squad Squad. where, you know, he's not touching the field. Like in my main league, I picked up Jordan love for, I think it was basically 3.10. It was a long story. It was a three-way trade. Um, And I now I'm looking at that roster spot. Like it doesn't exist. Like, if you, if you are in a spot with a team where you can you know stash a guy like Kyle Trask and just he, that position does not exist and just see, because, like, sometimes you have to wait. But I don't – I didn't love him coming in. Um, but, I mean, I guess he does have the benefit of learning behind Tom Brady and Bruce Arians, and that's a pretty big benefit. That's like graduating from, like, my local high school and then going to Harvard. that's that's a good way to put
0: it and that's true he's he's set up to succeed so we'll see but
1: um i think that's everything
0: all right um so we Uh, will potentially be back in a week but we're gonna try to pod a little early we're all gonna be at the fantasy football expo so if any of you listeners are out there hit us up give us a shout um come say hi but Otherwise, I believe
1: um, what Chad is trying to say is the next time you hear the voices on the Fantasy Scouts podcast, everybody will be in a room together and it won't be this, you know, over Zoom and it, you know, hopefully more relaxed. And yeah, um, it's
0: going to be fire. Yeah, be fire.
1: I'm excited about it. I don't know if I'll be there. I don't think I will be, but I hope, I I hope think, you do. Well, yeah, I bet. I mean, like, I mean, you're flying in and um, Andrew and Matt are carpooling and something like, it's, ex- it's exciting. I mean, like, what, when do you guys leave?
2: Uh, so we got it set up. I'm leaving Thursday. We get done at football practice at 6 p.m. I'm driving straight to Alabama. Going to crash at Matt's house. And then we're going to spend all Friday, starting around 8 a.m., traveling up. And I think we're picking you up, Chad, right?
1: Yep. You guys are
0: going to pick me up in Cincinnati. If
2: I'm yeah, Cincinnati. So I thought
1: about meeting like you expo. guys in Cincinnati, but that's a three and a half hour drive from where I work, and I got to be at a camp on Sunday
0: but oh yeah yeah
1: That'll i, I got tough. sucked into coaching or doing some of these uh, running back couch camps. you're just so
0: you're just camp. so popular
1: everybody wants here your... well, it was money and i needed it because sally may wouldn't leave me alone
0: <laughs> all right <laughs> all right well, let's get out of here let's get out of here um head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts get our training camp updates and we'll see you next time where we bring you inside info you won't get anywhere else